Welcome to Revolution Podcast, a place where we discuss the Bible, culture, faith, and why it matters for you. I'm Quinn, and this is my co-host, Chase. And if you're looking for a podcast that explores the revolutionizing power of Christ in your life, then this is the show for you. Hello, Revolution Podcast. I know you didn't expect me to do the intro, but here we are. Um, we have got an amazing episode for you today. Wow. We're talking about. Chase, what are we talking about? Wow, the kingdom of God. There we go. We are doing episode two of our gospel talk gospel talk so we man i'm really excited about this episode because well the kingdom of god it's kind of a big topic in the bible you could say one of the four essential elements of the new testament yes you could wow very cool um yeah so what do we got going today chase oh man so i think we want to talk about why the kingdom of god is important because it's afraid to kind of get thrown around we're like oh yeah kingdom of god for sure that's going to be a lot of the stuff we talk about in this gospel talk series is like yeah we we know this stuff but do we really know it so we kind of want to talk about why it matters Mm -hmm. um and then then we want to talk about what it is because that's kind of important too we don't want to just assume or say well this is what i feel it is which is a problem nowadays um, it, it, it really is, dude. Yep. Um, and then finally, we want to talk about how we can be kingdom oriented people. And we'll talk about more what that means when we get there. But basically, how should we live uh, knowing about the kingdom and what it is? So anyways, mm-hmm. where can we start off there? What is so important about the kingdom of God? Why are we talking about it? Great question. Yeah. The kingdom of God, but here's, here's your big definition of why it's important. The kingdom of God is the... Um, I'll say this and you can think about it, but it is the unifying theme or topic or idea or point. It's the main unifying theme of scripture from Genesis to Revelation. Okay. From beginning to end, from cover to cover. Okay. From in the beginning to amen. It's like the whole thing Mm -hmm. is about the kingdom of God. And so naturally, (laughs) if the Bible is about this thing, mm. then it, it, and it, oh, I assume, I'm assuming everybody listening, like I'm answering this from a Bible guy perspective. Obviously, if, if you're, if you don't believe in the Bible, it's like, well, maybe it, it won't seem important to you. It is also, by the way, the most important thing in everybody's life. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so that, that's kind of the broad, like, that's what we want to talk about, right? Because if we don't have a good understanding of the kingdom of God, we don't have a good understanding of God, the Bible, our lives, how should we live, how, how we should live or, and I mean, how, how much more, how many more things can you get? Then there's, there's also something else that I think people often don't realize is that the kingdom of God is the best news and the worst news in the world, okay. right? Can you break that down? Absolutely. Uh, and, and in here, we are going to get a, a little bit into what the kingdom of God is. I'll try not to encroach too much on a, on a sentence definition. We'll get to that later. Um, <clears throat> let me say it like this. Kingdom of God. You're like, well, I don't see the phrase kingdom of God in Genesis. That's nowhere. Well, yeah, fair enough. But if you read Genesis 1 and 2, the idea, the concept is right there. This king mm-hmm. creator makes the world sovereignly. He makes, he gives, you could say, decrees or orders and stuff happens, right? He's ruling over it. And then he sets, you know how kings will set like barons or whatever to rule over mm-hmm. their lands? He sets Adam and Eve over this. And he says, steward yeah. this well, be fruitful, multiply, fill it, reflect me, right? Represent me, be my ambassadors. That's a political term to match the idea of a kingdom. So God is very much acting like a king and Adam and Eve and creation are his citizens. And then what happens? Well, there's an uprising, 
There's a rebellion. Mm-hmm. There's a, they're, they're traitors, right? And the king used to walk in the garden in the cool of the day with the citizens, right? He wasn't this far off king. He was right there with them. But then they turned against him and he retreated from them. Or I, I should say he actually sent them out. Yep. He sent them out from his presence. So that's the kingdom of God there. In Revelation, what's the picture? I saw the new Jerusalem and the heavens coming down to earth, right? Mm-hmm. This kingdom of God meets the world. And it's like we get back to that full presence of God. It says God will now again dwell with it. It doesn't say the word again, but the idea is there. God will now again mm-hmm. dwell with his people. We're going back to that idea of the garden. So Genesis to Revelation, sorry, and this is to describe why this is the best and the worst news in the world. When Jesus comes on the scene, Mark 1, 14, he says, the time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. He's saying it's here. Yep. The kingdom is here. They've been talking about it all through the Old Testament. It's here, the kingdom. And that's bad news for everybody because the king is righteous. The king is perfect. The king is holy and different and just. And there are these people who are causing pain, uh, hating him, blaspheming him, hating his son mm-hmm. and ultimately killing his son right? What is a righteous king to do with that? But to execute those people, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, That's kind of the broad idea. So so that's that's really bad news, right? For for everybody, right? It's terrifying. The king is here. The king is, when Jesus comes to earth, the king starts, he's he's back in the garden again. But it's, it's, what what did Adam and Eve do in the garden when when the king was there after the rebellion? They hid. Mm -hmm. (laughs) They were like, I I can't be in front of you. I'm ashamed. I can't do this. I can't. Like, this is how I've been living. I can't. Do, I have to cover myself up. This is too much. And as soon as his gaze would kind of folk, Adam, what, is, what has happened? He would like, look at, look at Eve. Look at Eve. Mm-hmm. God would turn and look at Eve. Eve, what happened? Look at the serpent. Like, because you can't stand before a holy, righteous king when y- you've lived and acted in a way that's traitorous to him. And we all know that. And we yeah. often feel that with God. Yes. So this, so this is where we get to the good news. Okay. The terrifying news is why we say it's the kingdom of God. And, and I, I don't, the scripture, scripture, like it talks about it's the good news. That's why this is the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's the good news. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, but it has, it, it does have this idea of the bad news there. But so, so the bad news is that the king is here and he's righteous and the kingdom of God is upon us and we are not fit for it. That's mm-hmm. the bad news. The good news. So the bad news is that the king is reigning. Right. The good news is the way in which he reigns. Mm-hmm. Okay. Because the way the king wants to reign, and this is why I said we're getting a little bit into the definition of the kingdom of God here, but the way the king wants to reign is to buy back his sinful, lost, rebellious people, bring them back in, create from enemies, sons, and daughters who love him and who will rule with him. Mm-hmm. that's the good news, right? Is that, yes, we don't deserve to be in the kingdom. We deserve to be under the wrath of the righteous king. Mm-hmm. But the good news is that the king doesn't want to rule in the way of wiping out his people. He wants to save his people. 
Mm-hmm. Right. That's the good news of the kingdom. So that's huge. Right. Like, of mm-hmm. course, that matters. Uh, it matters for you if you're a believer uh, to, to never forget that. Right. Because I, I, I see so often um, people who are so flippant about the gospel. Right. Um, the other day I was talking with somebody, man. And they, they were describing Jesus' life, right? And they said, Jesus came and he lived and he died and blah, 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 and all the rest. And I was like, whoa, you, you, don't, you don't know what you're talking about, right? And so I, I wanna, we want to be careful never to lose the wonder of the kingdom, right? The wonder of mm-hmm. the way the king wants to rule. So that's important for Christians. For um, non-believers like if you're talking to non-believers like you you need to like like you said john john the baptist message and jesus message in the gospels repent believe mm-hmm. the gospel because yeah. the kingdom of god is at hand and if we as christians don't realize um the state of rebellious people in a righteous king's kingdom yeah. then we're not gonna we're not gonna be urgent in our evangelism Mm-hmm. We're not going to be desperate to share the gospel. We're not going to feel need. We'll see, we'll, you know, we'll see somebody go by on the street or there'll be an opportunity for a conversa- conversation sorry, with somebody that might be a little bit uncomfortable for us or might make them not like us or might risk something. And we'll go, well, it would be uncomfortable. So I'm just going to, I'm just going to leave that. Right. Yeah. But when you realize that the king is here and he's coming again, and mm-hmm. we're going to read some passages from Revelation a little bit that are terrifying to the rebellious creation, mm-hmm. right? When you, when, if you, you, we need that to sink into our bones so that we are urgent in our evangelism, right? So, so that, that's part of why it's important. I don't think we talk about it enough. I heard something where it's, it's used like between one to 200 times, maybe more and marriage is talked about like 21 times in the Bible. Yet, right. how often do we talk about, about marriage? Sure. Yeah, We have marriage retreats. Mm. We don't have kingdom of God retreats. Sunday morning. <laughs> Just no, I, I know what you mean. Yeah. yeah. Even if the phrase kingdom of God isn't used in all 66 books, mm-hmm. the theme is, is through. Across the board. Right? And uh, it's yes. still... It's still today. I think I think the point you made there about like the, the marriage conference. I, I I think what the really good point in that is that the kingdom of God isn't on our minds. It's not what we're we we strive for marriage if we're single. We're we're like how how do I you know how do I find somebody and how do I um woo them and how do I treat them well and how do I get to know their family and how do I build a sustainable like so much thought goes into that mm-hmm. kingdom of God ah yeah that'll be fine oh it'll yeah. work itself out whoa whoa right like i i think your point is exactly right there um should we move into a definition yeah kind of yeah what's your thought there what is a definition that we could get into and and what are some things that the kingdom of god is not yeah, maybe there, why don't we the, start there uh, that's exactly where i was gonna start great minds uh the kingdom of god is not a place necessarily uh it, it, that, that's not to say it it has nothing to do with a place, right? But the kingdom of God is not the country of Israel. Whoa. It's, it's not, not the USA either. It's not the USA. It's not any country. Um, I, I, I don't know how people can think that if you read Hebrews. Uh, like the, the, We know we're citizens of it. They knew they were citizens of a different place. Mm-hmm. They were sojourners on the earth. Uh, go read Philippians. Uh, conduct yourselves as the citizens of the country to which you, I'm paraphrasing, but the country to which you belong, the right? CSV. Like, the CSV, right? Like you're citizens of heaven, not Rome. Get over yourselves, mm-hmm. right? So 
People have made that mistake a lot. That's not to say the earth has nothing to do with the final kingdom of God. Right? We had that picture of heaven and earth meeting, but the, the, the geography is not the main point. The, the point is the rule of God, right? Or God's reign, not itsy bitsy spider down came the rain and washed the spider out. Reign as an R-E-I-G-N. Is the kingdom of God a people? No, I, because no, not, I, I don't think that I don't think that's a, the best way to think about it. I think it's related to the people yeah. of God. Yeah, I, I think Scripture can help us clarify it a little bit here. Yeah, totally. Um, so Psalm one hundred three verse nineteen says, "Yahweh has established His throne in the heavens, and His kingdom rules overall." Right? It's it's His sovereign power over things. So in, in one sense, God is reigning over the universe, but there's a particular, um, what would you say? particular attention and reign that he he has over certain things and it is people right because the the purpose yeah. for which god created the world was to save a people for himself mm-hmm. right to create a people a community um you, we call that the bride of christ the body of christ in the old testament we saw that in israel and god said to abraham through you i will bless all the nations right so mm-hmm. he's gathering this people and and so that, and and so, if God's kingdom is His sovereign rule over things, and His purpose for the world is to create a people, of course, the two are going to be interrelated, right? And so, mm-hmm. um, one of my profs, uh, his definition, of the kingdom of God, basic definition, would be the kingdom of God is God's rule over the human heart, right? Yeah. So it's not necessarily the people themselves, but God ruling over them, right? Mm-hmm. Um. Another important thing to understand with the kingdom of God is that it's not fully here, right? And but it's not fully. We I, I think too often we can push it into the future, right? It's not fully future either. Mm-hmm. Um, Jesus, uh, let's read Luke eleven, verse twenty. Jesus says, "But if it is by the finger of God that I cast out demons, he's it was. But if it is by the finger of God that I cast out demons, then the kingdom of God has come upon you." Jesus said, "It's here." The kingdom is here, right? Um, but then in Matthew 6, uh, Jesus said, pray then like this, our father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Mm-hmm. Well, why would we pray that if it's already here? So th- there's, and this theme um, of the kingdom is here, and but it is also yet to come is all through the New Testament, like straight through. And if you don't get this right now, I'm still having a tough time to understand the, maybe the lingo we'll use is, a lot of people will use as here, not here, now, not yet. Yeah, uh, already, but not yet. Already, I, I think yeah. is the class is the classic way to say. It. Let, let me let me try to clarify that briefly. We'll, we'll take just a little bit of time for that. The fact that the kingdom is all is already, but not yet. Let me read a, a passage from Exodus for you. Okay, Exodus nineteen verse six, and you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. Okay, a little bit earlier, he said, you shall be my treasured possession among all peoples for all the earth is mine. So you're going to be, there's going to be a special rule over you, Israel, out of everybody else. And you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. Okay, what's really interesting about that is that in 1 Peter, those same words are applied to the church instead of just Israel. 1 Peter 2, 9 and 10. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession. Okay, so, but now, this, this is the key part about that already been not yet. Now, Peter explains that, or so that, so this is the purpose that God's ruling over you and has chosen you. 
that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Okay, the, the, so how does that help us understand this already, but not yet? The kingdom of God is not imminently visible. Mm-hmm. Okay, that means you can't, um, it's, it's not like tangibly necessarily present. Okay, Philippians says, um, therefore God has highly exalted Jesus so that at his name, at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. That's not happening, but that is to come. One day, everybody, now, so the kingdom of God, when it does come, finally, everybody will be obedient to God. That's why in that prayer in Matthew, your kingdom come, your will be done, okay? Mm -hmm. Not everybody's gonna be happy about it. Like, don't, don't get me wrong. It's going to be really joyful for some and it's going to be wrath for others, but everybody will, be, will obey, mm-hmm. right? Everybody yeah. will bow the knee to Jesus, okay? But we don't see that yet. Not everybody is obedient to God. And so the purpose of the church, and this is where the first Peter comes in, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him. The purpose of the church is to make visible what the kingdom of God will look like. Okay, the kingdom of God, when it fully comes, will be perfect, complete obedience, joy, and love to God, for God, and in God, right? The mm-hmm. purpose of the church is to make that visible right now, even though it's not fully here. Mm-hmm. Okay, the kingdom of God has begun. Jesus is ruling over the hearts of his people, but it isn't fully here yet, right? And so our job in that time is to make it visible in as, as much as it is here. Is God ruling over your heart? Are you following him? Make it visible, right? Is, the, is God ruling over the church? Well, then the church should make God visible to people. They should be an example of what heaven will look like one day. So that, that kind of helps, I think, a little bit with the idea of already, but not yet. You, you mentioned just at the end there, do we, do we live in a way that proclaims the kingdom of God? Mm-hmm. How would you say we take that definition? Because you said the kingdom of God is God's rule over our hearts, yes, right? Yes, over the human heart, yeah. So I guess then the question is, do you let God rule over your heart? That, right? that, that's a huge question, um, absolutely. And how do we do that? Okay, right. that's a, good, that's a very good question. Can, I, can, can we get into that? Number one, acknowledge Jesus as king, mm-hmm. okay? And understand what that means. Don't pay, do never pay lip service to that right? Like, like here's, I'll, I'll read two passages from the book of Revelation, which talks a lot about, if you want to learn about the kingdom of God, go read Revelation. It's great. Mm-hmm. Okay. Revelation 19 verse, starting verse 11. Then I saw a heaven opened and behold a white horse, symbol of a king. The one sitting on it is called faithful and true. And in righteousness, he judges and makes war. Anybody who says Jesus is a pacifist, read this passage. He judges and makes war. His eyes are like a flame of fire, and on his head are many diadems, crowns, and he has a name written that no one knows but himself. He is clothed in a robe dipped in blood, and the name by which he is called is the Word of God. And the armies of heaven, arrayed in fine linen, white and pure, were following him on white horses. From his mouth comes a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations, and he will rule them with a rod of iron. He will tread the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God the Almighty. On his robe and on his thigh he has a name written, King of Kings, Lord of Lords. Mm Mm-hmm. Revelation 14, verse 9, if anyone worships the beast and its image 
and receives a mark on his forehead or on his hand. I know there's a lot of confusion about that. That means following anything except God. If anybody does that, he also will drink the wine of God's wrath, poured full strength into the cup of his anger, and he will be tormented with fire and sulfur in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the lamb, of Jesus, of the king, from 19, of the lamb. And the smoke of their torment goes up forever and ever, and they have no rest, day or night, these worshipers of the beast and its image, and whoever receives the mark of its name. Um, following Jesus is a serious business, right? Mm-hmm. Like, it, it's not trivial. Uh, Christianity is not trivial. Jesus, I've not come to bring peace to this earth, but a sword. Okay, so number one, we need to acknowledge Jesus is king and recognize that means that we need to live in a manner that reflects him, mm-hmm. right? That if Colossians says, everything you do, you do in the name of Christ, okay? That means, and, and if, the, if the purpose of the church in the already not yet phase of the kingdom is make visible God, mm-hmm. and we live in a way <laughs> that is against his character, then that's what people think God is like, okay? We're supposed to be the reflection of God. We're calling Jesus king, and then we go off and live like the world in so many ways we don't think about, right? Ephesians says, let no word come out of your mouth except that which is honoring to God. Mm -hmm. What would happen if we took that seriously as people, right? What would we not say? Mm -hmm. What would happen if we thought about our words that way? That's just one example of so many you could draw. So you need to call Jesus king and mean it and take that seriously, okay? Um, Romans 14, do you you have Romans 14, 17 pulled up there that you can read quickly? For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Okay, righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Let me read Matthew 13, and we'll, we'll, we'll end with this. Matthew 13, 44, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. Kingdom of heaven means kingdom of God. Yeah. Kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Okay, this is where we want to end. We need to be kingdom-oriented people. What, what, what do we mean? Uh, if somebody's really driven in their career, we say they're career-oriented, right? If you're writing in like Word or Google Docs and you want to move all your, like, you, you know, the start of your line all the way to the left side mm-hmm. or the right side, you're changing the orientation, right? It's the direction something's going, right? It's your tilt. It's your bent. We need to be kingdom oriented people. Our lives need to be going in that direction, right? If a road is going from Chilliwack to Abbotsford, we'd say it's oriented towards Abbotsford. Are our lives oriented towards the kingdom? Is that the natural direction we go? Um, mm-hmm. Is Yeah, is kingdom on our minds? I really love that point you brought up earlier. Is kingdom on our minds? Uh, do, do we realize what what that all entails? Do we live as if Jesus is king? Do we live as if the king is coming and he will bring wrath on the rebellious and joy to those who love him? Mm-hmm. Right? Do we, do we truly live that way? Do we, under, do we take that? Like, what fades in importance when we realize that? Mm-hmm. What matters next to that? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. Like, and again, Quinn, me and you never come at this from a place of we've got this all figured out. We've got our own struggles, but it, it is mind boggling to look at some 
parts of the church and people who call themselves Christians and to see the half-heartedness with which they follow Jesus, Mm -hmm. the half-heartedness with which they share the gospel, the half-heartedness with which they approach church as spectators, the half-heartedness with which they read the Bible as if it's something I'll get to when I can and it doesn't really matter. That Like all of it, right? Like what would our lives look like if Jesus wasn't king? Would they be different? Would it be different if kingdom of God wasn't there? Because if you're kingdom oriented and the kingdom of God was gone, everything's different. Mm-hmm. And I, I think sometimes nothing would be different for some people. So mm-hmm. anyways, is that okay if we, if we finish there? Yeah, I, I think just one last point with this Romans verse. Um, and then we can just wrap it up. It says, um, for the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. We can't do it all on our own, mm. right? We can't be kingdom oriented people on our own. And that's why we need the Holy Spirit. Absolutely. And so that is why it says, but of righteousness and peace and joy. Sometimes we don't have the patience to live like that, mm. right? Yeah. Sometimes because we're not perfect people. Is that yeah. an excuse? No. Mm-hmm. But it's like sometimes we just need a prayer. Just, mm. Lord, I don't got anything left. Will you help me with this? Absolutely. And that is why we live in step with the spirit. And as we do that, he will grant us righteousness, peace and joy and guidance into our lives so we can walk and live in the kingdom of God. Absolutely. If you want to hear more about that, we've got an episode called How to Keep in Step with the Spirit. So there we go. Anyways, we'll wrap it up there. Okay. That was second episode of Gospel Talk. Next week, we're asking the question, what about the law? Isn't that an old covenant thing? How does that matter for us as people living under the new covenant? We'll be getting into all the nuances there. Stay Mm -hmm. tuned. Look on social media for more stuff about Gospel Talk. Thank you guys for listening, and we'll be back next week. See ya.